Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Thank God for His presence here and thank God for the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. It just so happens that my teaching this morning is centered around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we, as we've welcomed him, as he's here with us and in our midst this morning, I think, and I, and I have the sense that he is indeed calling us to have a response this morning as believers. To not just come into a service and be blessed and leave and say that we've done our duty for a Sunday morning, but that the Holy Spirit indeed this morning is looking for a response. I also believe that our church is in that season where God is calling us to obedience, where he's calling us to action, where he's calling us to have corresponding action with our faith because we've received so much. We have such a grace on this house that there's always good teaching. There's always impartation. There's always good counsel. The Word of God is always spoken clearly and accurately. And in this season, I believe God is calling us to say, it is now time for you to respond. Because your understanding of the truth and the facts can only go so far until it is required of you to step into action and to step into obedience. We are His and we exist to build His body. And it's time for us to grab hold of the love of God with everything we have until our race on this earth is over. God has placed a requirement on this house to execute, to put into action, and to come into obedience with every promise, every prophecy, every teaching, every word spoken over you, every prayer, every counseling session, it is now your time to step into the flow of what the Spirit is doing in Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Amen. I'm going to start off by reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 from the Amplified Bible. And St. Paul says, Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Let's read that again. Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Each with his own each of you with your own special purpose and function. Each means nobody's left out. One of my favorite authors, Oswald Chambers, says this, we are not here to develop a spiritual life of our own or to enjoy a quiet spiritual retreat on earth. We are here to have the full realization of Jesus Christ for the purpose of building his body. As believers, we are not just passing through, just killing time until we get to the end. 
He has called each of us to a purpose and accordingly has equipped us for that purpose. You and I are members of the body, but we are also the chosen instruments that build and strengthen the body for God's purpose. You and I exist to bring balance to the body and usher in those who are in need of restoration and deliverance. How many of you still have unsaved family members and friends and colleagues and neighbors that you have such a desire to see come into the kingdom? How many of us sit with those family members that we've been praying for for such a long time and we don't see anything change and we've become discouraged and despondent? But that doesn't mean that God has stopped working. That doesn't mean that he no longer saves. The price has been paid once and for all and for all eternity that those who realize their need for Jesus must just confess with their mouths that he is Lord, that he is the Christ as we heard this morning and believe and they will be ushered into the kingdom of heaven. It is this ushering that's been our focus for the last few weeks. We've been speaking about sharing our faith, sharing our testimony, from the foundation of love. Love is the motivation, not my agenda, not my purpose for somebody else to come into the kingdom, but the love of God for his people. You and I were brought into the kingdom by the conviction of his spirit through existing members of the kingdom. In a moment, or perhaps through a journey, we experienced a realization of the need for Jesus in our lives and then we became members of the body. I very clearly remember my salvation moment, because I was radically saved. I'd been in church all my life. We, we knew about church, going to church. I even attended a Catholic school where going to church was the norm. Every week on a Friday, we would go to church. Every morning when we arrived for school, we would pray. Every afternoon before we left for school, we would pray before it's break time, coming back from break time. I'm telling you, we prayed so much, these little Anglican kids, Catholic kids, I mean, that we understood what it was to pray and to pray the Our Father and to say, Lord, please look after us this day. We knew as a family what it was to go to church every single Sunday. doesn't matter where it was and how we would get there and how we would need to be transported, but we would go to church. But going to church and having a salvation moment, two very different things. And as I prepared for this message today, I recall the day that I was saved. It was a Sunday morning, and I had gone to Grove Christian Center in Ottery, and my parents were there as well, and my younger brother. And at the time, Grove Christian Center had these three branches all over Cape Town. So it was Ottery and Belleville and Strandfontein, and that morning we had all come together. So a few thousand people in a warehouse-type set-up church, and I remember worshiping. And I specifically remember for the first time lifting my hand and singing to the Lord. And I could not explain what was happening because this was definitely new to me. This was absolutely new, but I could not stop. And I could not care about who's looking at me and who has got something to say about it. 
And I think as of that day, I, I don't care what people say about me and my faith. I believe in Jesus and I will raise my hands because he has ushered me into his kingdom. It was a healing service and we prayed for the sick much like we did this morning. We prayed for the sick and there was this roar in that auditorium. You can imagine thousands of people praying and it was loud and the music was loud and that we had this big lighting rig set up and there was lighting and there was these effects and the sound was amazing. And I remember clearly in the moment the electricity cut out in the auditorium. I know about load shedding since then. <laughs> and we figured out afterwards that it was in fact not load shedding. Nobody else in the area had, had trouble with the power. But for one minute, everything shut down. The music, the lights, the effects. And it was quiet for just a split second. And I knew something is happening on the inside of me. And after that few seconds of silence, absolute silence passed, while the power was still out, the congregation prayed, and the intercessors prayed, and there was this roar among the people, and they lifted their voices. And I believe God caused a shutdown for me to be quiet and listen to him for the first time, saying, I have a plan for your life. Amen. And that was my salvation. Do you remember your moment? Do you remember your journey? Do you recall how unlikely it was for you to be saved in that moment? Do you recall how you did not even think about Jesus and the things of the Lord and purpose and the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit? That none of those things were even in sight or even front of mind for you? Do you recall how you cannot explain that moment that you were actually saved? Entry into the kingdom of God is a supernatural work that finds expression in natural circumstances through the people who act in obedience. It takes people to bring people into the kingdom. It happens in no other way. There are rare cases where somebody sees a vision of Jesus or the Spirit convicts somebody in isolation. But generally, it takes a person to deliver a word or a song or an act and in that moment, something stirs in that person's heart. And the Holy Spirit has a work that he needs to do. And people enter into the kingdom of God. How do we position ourselves to be those people? How do we position ourselves to be more effective ministers of the gospel? Who are the ministers in the church? Every single believer who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord is called to be a minister of the gospel. Wherever you are, in your circle, in your family, you are the representation of Jesus Christ in that situation. But there's so much that keeps us from being effective for the kingdom. And the key thing is always there are thoughts of inadequacy that I can't actually do it. How on earth can I bring somebody into the kingdom? Whereas the Bible is quite clear that you are the exact one. There's no plan B. There's not another set of believers waiting in the wings that God is going to place on earth and then they come and then they do it. 
you and I are the chosen instruments of God to bring people into the kingdom. And that's the bottom line. Whether you feel equipped or inadequate or whatever other hang-ups we might have, God is calling us to obedience. God is calling the house to obedience, to put action to the faith, to put action to the words that we hear week in, week out, and say to somebody, you know what, I've been praying for you, and I just want you to know that God loves you. We don't need to have it all together to start. And being useful in the kingdom is an ongoing process. You never really arrive at the destination and then become useful. It's the pursuit of living for his glory that is our purpose. The purpose is actually locked up in the journey and not in how many can I get saved. It's while I do it and as I go about doing it, that his purpose for me will be uncovered. You don't have to go from never sharing your faith to being the street corner preacher all in one moment. It's going to take time. You're not going to be an effective minister in your workplace just overnight. It's going to take time, and there's a process, and that process is his purpose for us because it's there where he works things out in our own hearts. It's there where he teaches us the truth of his word. And it's there ultimately where he tests our obedience. So inadequacy is normally the thing that keeps us from being effective. And we need to make a determination today that I am called of God. That he has given me purpose. That he wants me to be an effective minister wherever he places me. The second thing that normally keeps us from being effective is the principle of submission. Submission is a concept that we battle to understand because in our day and age, there are many roads that lead you to the same solution. Everybody can do it their way as long as they get to the solution. We live in a political system like that. It's called a democracy. As long as it pleases you and we get to the same solution, we are all okay. Democracy, however, is not a kingdom principle. Submission is a kingdom principle. If the word of God says, this is how you need to do it, then this is how you need to do it. I recall the Old Testament prophet saying to the widow, go and collect empty jars and bring it. In our day and age, if that instruction had to be issued, as I'm collecting the empty ones and I see somebody's got a full one, I would just ask and come up with this clever idea, I don't need to submit to the prophet because this person is able to give me a jar that's full of oil. Problem solved. But the blessing is not in the clever alternative. The blessing is in the submission. And I see this over and over with pastors saying to people, this is what you need to do. And they go, okay, this is what I need to do. Let me find the best and brightest alternative to get me to the same solution. It's not about the solution. It's about the purpose of God evolving in your life through submission. The blessing is in the submission. It's not about, but pastor, can I do it like this rather? Or maybe I'll try this other way. And we have that same attitude with the word of God. We heard the testimony last week of tithing. Tithing is not a suggestion from the Bible. God is not saying, I suggest that you do this, maybe try this out. He says, no, test me. Test me in this. And often what we do is we make excuses and we say, Because I don't understand, I don't participate. 
If I don't understand tithing, I'm not going to participate. But the kingdom has a reverse effect. It's in the participation that you will gain the understanding. The enlightenment follows the submission. Not I am enlightened and therefore I submit. Not I've worked it all out and dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. Now I'm going to tithe. No, it's as you put your faith into action and as you submit that the understanding and the revelation will come. And so we we need to learn this principle about submission because it's the key to receiving and unlocking and exercising your gift. In John chapter 5, Jesus speaking, it says in verse 19, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He sees only what he sees. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the son, for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you will be truly astonished. And this comes just right after Jesus healed the lame man. But it's in submission to his father's instruction and his father's actions that Jesus carries out this miracle. Because I saw my father doing it in my close relationship with him, because I submit to him, because I do what I see him do and I I only say the things that I hear him say, I submit to that. I don't come up with my own opinion. I do what my father does and I say what he says and then I see the result. There's no clever alternative. There's no theological debate or argument about it. I do the things that he does, and I say the things that he says. And so we are called to obedience. Obedience is the key that unlocks spiritual understanding. In natural matters and affairs, normally our intellectual curiosity will lead us to the facts. We... We want the facts so that we can make a decision. That's how natural things work. But in the spirit, we act first. We come with a willingness first. And then the the revelation will follow. John chapter 7 verse 17 says, Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. In other words, the willingness precedes the understanding. I can't go, let me first understand the stuff, and then I become willing. It's the dynamic of the kingdom. It's how things work in the kingdom of God. I need to come with a willing heart. If there's no willingness, there can be no results. The Lord cannot move on an unwilling heart. You need to be made willing first. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there and do what? Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. There's always action required on our part first. The sacrifice and my act cannot fix the wrong. 
magically. If I'm able to go and ask for forgiveness, then I must go and ask. I cannot wrong Michael and then go for the whole week, seven days praying and fasting and asking God for forgiveness in worship and in prayer, where he's right here and I can ask him, forgive me. And that's sometimes how we treat our faith in general, that we call and cry out to the Lord for things, and he's saying, but I've given you instruction already. I've given you something to work with already. I've already forgiven you, and I've forgiven him, and I've paid a price for you. Go and ask for forgiveness. Amen? So I'm going to dive into the gifts of the Spirit now. I thought it is important for us to understand that we need to come and we need to approach the gifts of the Spirit and the presence of God in a certain way that will allow these gifts to have the best effect in our lives. You, you cannot just come and say, I want to speak in tongues. Um, Pastor, can you make it happen? It's the willingness, the obedience, and the submission on your part that needs to be in place before you can receive the blessing. And as with our opening scripture, there is a gift for everyone. Each person has special ability, according to the Spirit, to be an effective minister for the kingdom. So let's go 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to read quite a big portion here, so this is verse 1 to 11. And Paul saying, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's the key. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Say, I have a spiritual gift. I, spiritual gift. I want to help someone. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. 
and we can certainly operate in more than just one gift. In fact, what you will often see is that the gifts are interdependent. They all flow together. God will bring special knowledge. He'll highlight facts about a person or circumstances in a setting like this, like we had this morning. But he doesn't stop there. He now leads us to the healing. The healing needs to take place. God won't just show you the facts about somebody's situation or about somebody's life. We see this all throughout Scripture. Even Jesus participated in this. He doesn't just give you the facts and insight into somebody's life to leave them there. It is there, it is highlighted, it is brought to your attention so that you can pray, so that you can act, so that you can do something about it. So over time, scholars have sort of grouped these gifts together and classified them and and placed them into groups, which logically makes sense. And what they've done over, over the years is they've put each one of the gifts in a special category, not to contradict what the Bible is saying, but to help us to understand what these gifts are. It's easy for us to memorize. It's easy for us to understand when we go into prayer, Lord, please bless me with this gift. Please, when I put my trust in you, Holy Spirit, I'm looking for an answer to this situation, and the Holy Spirit will come with a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. The first classification of the the gifts are the revelation gifts, the gift of the word of wisdom, or as in the translation that we read from earlier, the ability to give wise advice. Do you know people like that? Just any time that you speak to them, believers, that they will know exactly what to say. They won't just highlight the facts about the situation. They will know exactly what to say and tell you exactly what to do with that information. The second one is the gift of the word of knowledge. Knowledge is just the truth about the situation or the facts. The gift of discernment, the ability to to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. This is a very important one. Because anybody can say, Lord, Lord. Anybody can say, in Jesus' name. But this gift will help you to discern whether that message is from God or from another spirit. So the first three, the, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of discernment, fall into this revelation category. Right? It's God revealing things to us, and we can therefore make a decision, we can act on it. Right? The gifts must always find expression also. Before we continue, let me just say that. There's no point in God showing you things or highlighting things about the situation, and you just do nothing about it. Right? Eventually, that gift is going to run dry, and God is going to withhold his blessing in showing you more. The second classification of the gifts are the power gifts, the gift of faith, the ability to have great faith, the gift of healing, the ability to replace sickness with health, the gift of miracles, which is the power to perform miracles. And I'm going to go into detail on each of these in a minute. The third classification of the gifts are the vocal ones, the vocal gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And the nature and the purpose of the gifts is, as we heard a few weeks ago, number one, to make a room for God. The gifts are not about my agenda and what I want to do, what I want to say. The gifts lift us above the realm of natural ability. The gifts confirm our testimony of Jesus Christ. 
and the gifts enable all believers to contribute towards the kingdom and participate in the dynamics of the kingdom. And this should place us in a position not of fear or of anxiety or of worry. This puts us in a position where we can understand that there is a Holy Spirit to rely on in order to make me a more effective minister. Maybe some of the things that you've been doing and saying for your family members that are unsaved has been out of line with the gifts. You've been trying all sorts of things. But ultimately your obedience and your dependence on the Spirit that will position you to pray for those unsaved loved ones, to speak words of life over them, and to believe God for them. There is no denying that if somebody is sick and they don't tell you about that situation and you step in and you say, God has shown me that you are struggling at the moment, that you are struggling with something at the moment, and I want to pray for you. It's now an undeniable truth that the Lord has given you that revelation and that God wants this minister or this person to do something for you. So this gift of the word of wisdom, the scripture again says, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Wisdom is directive, it's informative, and the purpose is to point us in the right direction. The scripture in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10 says, using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you to succeed, or in another translation it says, it gives you direction. Words of wisdom and the spiritual gifts are not just for good feelings and for us to have a good time in a church service. It's to change the course of somebody's life. Perhaps they've been doing something, perhaps they have been involved in something, and you speaking the word of wisdom over them will change the trajectory of that person's life. They will now follow a different path. The gift of the word of knowledge, it says in the scripture to another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And again, the supernatural revelation of the facts leads to God's intervention if we acknowledge it and pray accordingly. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well and he says to her, go and get your husband. Jesus told her and he says, and she says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So that is a word of knowledge. There's facts about this woman's situation that has been revealed to Jesus. He knew we had insight into her situation. Her circumstances were revealed. Again, not to leave her there or to condemn her, but to bring salvation, to bring life, to bring the restoration. The gift of discernment in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And this gift protects us from deception. In the book of Acts, in chapter 16 and verse 16, it says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. 
She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. She was speaking the truth, but the source, her inspiration, was from an evil spirit. And this gift protected the apostles. This gift highlighted the fact that this is not the Spirit of God speaking, although she is speaking the truth. The source, the inspiration, was an evil spirit. The gift of faith, in the same way the Spirit gives great faith to another. And this gift of faith is not the saving faith that you and I have when we come to salvation. It's not the the faith that we need to live everyday life. The gift of faith is reserved for a special occasion, a special moment where the Spirit brings that impartation, where the Spirit moves us towards having unshakable faith for that circumstance or for that situation. And when I release it and when I speak it, it is undeniable that the power and the the grace of God and the Spirit will enter into that situation and bring about change. It is not a wavering faith. When I'm thinking, should I do this or should I believe? You know, that, that's not the, the gift of faith is the gift of faith. It doesn't come with anything else attached to it. It will place you in a position of, I'm going to speak this word, and I believe with all I have that this is going to be the result. In other words, I've locked in faith, I've placed it on that target, and that situation is going to change in Jesus' name. That is the gift of faith. Anybody want any of these gifts this morning before we continue? Anybody want any of these gifts to operate effectively in their lives this morning? What about the gift of healing? The healing power of God ministered through the one who ministers the healing to the person who is sick. I, in and of myself, cannot heal anybody. It's the power of God that heals somebody. But as we said in the beginning, I am God's instrument. And when the gift of healing comes, again, like with the gift of faith, the willingness and the obedience of the minister is only the one part. The second part is the person receiving it. That there needs to be a willingness. If that person says, well, you can pray all you want, I don't think I'm going to be healed. What do you think the outcome will be? Right? That's why Pastor said to the people this morning, what do you believe? What do you want? Do you believe that you are healed? Right? The kingdom is not on automatic mode. It's not just when I stand here, then I'm healed. There's, as you can see, there's nothing here physically. It's the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God at work. It's the power of God that acts upon a willing heart, an obedient heart to say, I want to be healed and I don't believe any other truth or any other fact right now. I'm standing here, and I want to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. The gifts of miracles, the ability to perform a miracle. In Luke chapter 17, verse 14, the men with leprosy came, and he, the word says he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of the leprosy. The other translations speak about the flesh being restored. So there was not just a healing, there was not just the deliverance from the sickness, it was also that their bodies, the physical parts, were restored. There was no sign that there was sickness. And that's the difference between the healing and the miracle. The healing is the sickness is gone. 
Right? And over time, you can recover, and over time, you'll get better. But the miracle was instantaneous. Right? It was right there. There's a miracle. The flesh was broken, and now the flesh is healed. That's a miracle. Right? It didn't take time. It didn't need anything to recover. Right there and then, the miracle was effected. There are three more gifts, but I, I think I'm going to park it at the gifts of miracles. The, the rest of it is the gift of tongues, which I'm, I'm sure we are all familiar with, and the interpretation of tongues, and then prophecy, which are the vocal gifts. Church, the gifts don't come when we are apathetic towards the gifts or the working of the Spirit. This is not, let me see how it goes. God has got nothing for anybody that sits on the fence or folds their arms about the things of God. If there's a willing and obedient heart, I can tell you there's a willing and very obedient Holy Spirit that only does the work of the one who sent him. The Holy Spirit wants us to operate in these gifts. He has a desire to see these things in operation. And it takes a willingness. It takes work as well. It takes somebody perhaps to walk a journey with you. I've just given you highlights of some of the gifts this morning. But these gifts are going to position you to become an effective believer. Not a believer who just receives all the time. And I'm not talking about, I'm calling you to be the preacher or the pastor. It's not just for the preachers and the pastors. The scripture in the beginning said that collectively we are the body of Christ. And to each of us has been given a gift. To each of us. So even right now, as I draw to a close, and as we are in this atmosphere and in this presence, I know we prayed for the sick earlier. I just also believe there's people struggling with depression that we need to pray for. And that anxiety and the mental challenges. And perhaps earlier when a call was made for prayer, you didn't want to respond. But right now, I trust. And knowing the power of the Holy Spirit is capable and able to do anything. I want us to respond. Either you are in need of one of these gifts to operate in your life right now, or you have a desire for the gift to come into effect to change a situation, to change the circumstances of your life. I'd like for us to stand in a moment. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.